Well, again, good morning. I invite you to take your Bibles and to open to the book of Romans, and specifically Romans chapter 3. We're, we're in the midpoint of our five-week series uh, looking at the five solas of the Reformation. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Gratia, Grace alone. Sola Fide, Faith alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone, and Soli Deo Gloria, the glory of God alone, or God's glory alone. Five phrases that crystallize, that condense into just a couple of words each, five key biblical truths about salvation. How are we saved? That is as critical a question today as it was 500 years ago when the Reformers recovered these truths, going back into the Scripture and seeing what the Scripture said instead of just what tradition, uh, just what a, a church or whoever else said. They said, what does the Bible say? And they, it came down uh, to these essentials in salvation They're important today, they're needed today, they're relevant because that essential question is still the most important question we can ask. How how can I know if I'm going to heaven when I die? Today we're looking at sola fide, faith alone. This truth is particularly the one that radically changed a young monk named Martin Luther. I'm sure you've heard of him. Let me read from his own words what he wrote. He said, I I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, the book that we'll be in here in a few minutes. And nothing stood in the way but this one expression, the justice of God. Because I took it to, to mean that that justice whereby God is just and He deals justly in punishing the unjust. My situation was that although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage Him. Therefore, I did not love a just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. Yet I clung to dear Paul and had a great yearning to know what he meant. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace And sincere mercy, God justifies us through faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of Scripture took on new meaning. Whereas before, the justice of God had filled me with hate. Now, it became inexpressibly sweet in greater love. This passage of Paul became to me a gate to heaven. Luther had been trying desperately 
as a monk to somehow be good enough to be right before God. To know that he would be going to heaven, but the harder he tried, the more frustrated he became. Because instead of feeling more worthy, he realized all the more how unworthy he was. And the more frustrated he grew until the truth of Romans 1.17 broke through to him. The just or the righteous will live by faith. Suddenly, the book of Romans made sense to him. We are saved sola fide, by faith alone. Through faith alone. Let's, let's look here in Romans 3 now. And I want us to look here in this chapter. We were actually here in some of these same verses last week. We're going to go a little farther. But I want to notice in this passage seven truths about salvation through faith alone. Beginning in verse 20. Going back to a few verses we covered last week. Verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. We talked about this last week. Just a quick review. That word justify is a legal term. It's a courtroom term. It is the term that would be used when there is a verdict that is rendered and the judgment is that this that you're declaring the defendant right righteous you're declaring them not guilty innocent the verdict is rendered the case is closed and court is adjourned that is what is meant here when you read in this passage about justify or justification or if you also read the words in this passage whenever you see Right or righteous or righteousness, they all come from the same root in Greek. And it all has to do with with this same concept. Being right, being in right standing before God. Being declared innocent. Just. Another way that we we use the term, since most of us don't use legal terms very often, but some of you have probably used this word justify in this way. When you're on your computer and you're in your word processing program. And there's a button that says justify margins. Right? You, you seen that? Because generally when you type in your word processor, everything's lined up over here on the left margin. And you get over here on the right and it looks like this, right? And what happens when you push the justify margins button? It magically respaces the letters and the words and everything over here on the left is lined up in a, in a straight line and over here everything on the right is in a straight line. What it has done is taken what is crooked, you see, and it has made it straight and lined it up with the rule, with the, with the standard, with the, with the ruler, the measure, you see. And that's what justify means. It means to take what is crooked, what is, what is messed up, what is, what is wrong, and to make it right. That's what God has done when He justifies us. Is He takes what is wrong and He makes it right and He declares us innocent, not guilty. Of course, 
your life and my life do not conform to God's standard. And what the, this passage says here in the verse I just read is that by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. There is no way our lives are such a mess, there is no way that we can untangle the mess and we can straighten our life up and fix what is out of out of straight. It's bent. We can't fix what's broken. We can't, as we talked about last week, we can't measure up to God's standard as He says in Romans 3.23, a couple of verses later, for all have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. The standard is perfection. It's God. And we like to measure ourselves next to one another so we don't look so bad. But the standard isn't measuring one another. It's measuring ourselves to God. We all fall infinitely short. If we try to be good enough to to be right in God's sight, we're going to end up like Luther was, totally frustrated. Why? Well, the answer is because the second half of that verse where it says, through law comes knowledge of sin. The more that we, we try to look at the law of God and say, okay, This is what God wants. This is what God expects. I'm going to try to be that. The more it exposes us for what we are, sinners, because we will always fall short. The law of God in in a very real sense is like a mirror which shows us a wonderful, perfect image of what we are. Much of us hate that. We look in the mirror and we see what's really there. But... The mirror shows us what we are, but it it doesn't change what we are. You've got dirt on your face. You can't wash it with the mirror. The mirror just shows you what you are. You need to shave. The mirror can't shave you. I guess it could if you broke it and took it. (laughs) That ruins the illustration. (laughs) You know, your hair's a mess. You don't comb your hair with the mirror. The mirror just shows you what's broken. And so it is with the Word of God. The Word of God shows us the path of of how we get it fixed, but the Word of God itself doesn't fix what's broken. We find the answer here. (laughs) But if we just try to keep it, we just try to, I'm going to do what's right, we're going to end up like Luther, terribly frustrated because all we will discover is that I'm a bigger sinner than I thought. And it just keeps getting worse. That's the first thing we need to notice here about What does salvation by faith alone mean? Works can't justify us. But secondly, we see that we are justified by faith. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. There are several things to notice here. The first is, We're justified, we're made right, not by trying to keep rules, not by trying to keep the law, but we are justified, our text says here, by faith. Paul says it has become manifest. We now see that there's a righteousness available to us, the righteousness of God, but it's not by works. Now, it's apart from the law. It's through faith. He says down in verse 28, for we 
hold that one is justified by faith apart from works from the law. We're justified by faith. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 16, it says, So we also have, have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Again, as we've just said, Nobody can do enough good works, good deeds. You can't join enough churches, get baptized enough times, walk enough little old ladies across the street. You can't do enough good things to be right with God. But there's a righteousness apart from the law and it's through faith. That's good, but that raises a question, at least in my mind. If we're justified by faith, what is faith? Notice it says in verse 22, the righteousness of God, we just read it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. We don't see it in English, but understand this. The word faith and the word believe are the same Greek root. Faith is the noun. Believe is the verb. What is Faith. Faith is believing. To have faith is to believe. There's another passage that defines it, or a passage that does define it, over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is being convinced, it's believing and being convinced, being certain of something that we have not seen. We'll talk about what that is in just a moment. But faith, believing, when the Bible talks about it, it's more than just agreeing to a set of facts. It's more than just an intellectual assent or agreement that, yeah, that's true. It's kind of like a chair. You look at the chair, you say, that's a chair. Sure enough. Looks pretty sturdy. It's a good chair. It would definitely hold me or anybody else who wants to sit in this chair and hold us up very nicely. That's agreeing to the facts. That is a part of faith. Faith depends on understanding and agreeing to certain facts. But faith is more than just agreeing to the facts. Faith is sitting in the chair. It's not just, I know the chair will hold me up. It's sitting in it. That's what faith is. Let's keep going. So is this concept that we are saved, that we are justified by faith, is that something new that Paul just decided to make up? Because God had given His law, and for centuries the Jews had been trying to keep the law, and they were just terribly frustrated, and nobody could figure out what to do, because all they were doing was ending up like Luther and getting frustrated. I'm just an awful sinner, and, and uh, what can I do? Paul says, no, it's not new. Notice what he says, verse 21. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Notice the next phrase, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. This isn't something new. Earlier I quoted from Martin Luther who was quoting from Romans chapter 1 where he said, the righteous or the just will live by faith. But Paul didn't make that up. Paul is quoting from the Old Testament from the prophet Habakkuk 
who said the righteous will live by faith. Interesting. Paul here in in Romans 3, if you just go a little bit farther, you get down into chapter 4. And in chapter 4, listen as I read from chapter 4. Paul takes us back again to the Old Testament, all the way back to the book of Genesis, to chapter 15, to the story of the life of Abraham. And he says, verse 1, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? He's writing to Jews, talking to Jewish descendants. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, he says, had nothing to boast about. If Abraham was a good man, and presumably he was a good man, But Abraham, for all of his good works, had nothing to boast about before God. God didn't say, Abraham, I declare you justified. I declare you right. You're going to heaven based on the fact that you are a really righteous dude. You are a really good guy. No, it says God declared Abraham righteous. Why? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Same word, faith. He had faith. So Paul's point is this isn't a new concept. Being saved has always been a matter of faith, not of keeping the law. Because, again, what we discover is no one can keep the law perfectly. And the standard is perfection. Now back to chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Boy, there's a bunch in there and I can't cover all everything in this text. So some of it's going to have to wait till next week, including that word propitiation. We'll cover that one next week in case you're going, what in the world is that? Okay, we'll get there next week. He says all of us are sinners. We all fall short of the standard. But how are we justified? How are we made right? By grace as a gift. If you were here last week, we went over this verse last week. Last week, we said we are justified by God's grace alone. And by the way, today we say we are justified by sola fide, by faith alone. Now, I'm not sure. I didn't grow up in Missouri. I grew up in Texas. In Texas... If you would say, we are justified, we're saved by grace alone, and then you come over here and you say, we are saved by, we're justified by faith alone, we just look at you and kind of scratch your head and just say, that don't make no sense. How can you be justified by this alone, and then over here say we're justified by this alone, and they both be alone? Hmm. We're not all dumb in Texas, you know. Well, fact is, as we noticed last week, our salvation is all by God's grace alone. There is no merit in us, nothing that deserves saving, nothing we can do to deserve saving, nothing we have done, nothing we will do that can deserve and earn our salvation. It's all about God's grace. What faith is, as we go on here, faith is how we 
receive God's grace. We are utterly helpless on our own. It is only by God's grace that we can be saved. But that gift of grace, as our text says, is received by faith. See, God is doing all this by His grace alone. Not any help from us. Our part, our only thing is to receive it by faith. Alone. That's the only thing we can do. So it's our part alone. It's His part alone, you see. That's where the alone comes in. Our faith alone is how we receive God's grace of justification. Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. John 3.16 You know this verse by memory. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We receive God's grace by faith. Got to say this as well. It's by faith, notice, in Jesus, verse 26. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just, both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's more I want to say about that verse, but I'm holding it till next week. But I'll say this. It's not that God justifies the person who has faith. It's the person who has faith in Jesus. And there's a big difference between those. We live in a time and in a world where faith, there's a lot of mushy stuff that's said about faith. You just got to have faith. Just believe. The faith the Bible is talking about here it isn't just being optimistic and it's not just about wishful thinking. Faith has no merit, no value by itself. I tried to say it a lot of ways and I couldn't say it better than this, so I'm just going to quote this guy. B.B. Warfield, uh, an old commentator, he says it this way, It is not faith that saves, but faith in Jesus Christ. It is not, strictly speaking, even faith in Christ that saves, but Christ that saves through faith. The saving power resides exclusively not in the act of faith or in the attitude of faith or in the nature of faith but in the object of faith in other words our faith has no power jesus has the power all our faith does is it's the way of receiving you and i sometimes we put our faith in all kinds of ridiculous and useless things you might have faith that we're going to have an early spring just because puxtahani phil didn't see a shadow yesterday but I wouldn't bet my life on some fat rodent's ability to forecast the weather uh, weeks from now, even though he probably doesn't do any worse a job than most weathermen. Point is, we can put our faith in a lot of silly things. But when it comes to our eternal destiny, we better put a lot of thought into it. We better be sure that what we're putting our faith in is secure. Because faith has no power in itself. The only power that faith has is in the object of faith. And what the Scripture teaches us is that we are saved by God's grace alone 
through faith alone in Christ alone. Now, solus Christus, Christ alone, is next week's lesson, so I'm not going to amplify that anymore, but that's where we're going. Again, faith in Christ isn't just being convinced and just assenting to the facts that Jesus is God who became man, who walked among us and lived a sinless life and was crucified on the cross, not by accident. It was God's plan. He died there for our sins in our place. He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. I agree with all the facts. That's awesome. That's looking at the chair and saying, yep, that's a chair. Faith says, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I believe in Him. Not just the facts, but I trust Him as my Savior. I receive the gift. God, <laughs> You're giving. I receive. I believe that. It makes me ask the question, are you here this morning having never put your faith and trust in Jesus? God wants you to know you are a sinner. You need a Savior. You are condemned as a sinner. There's nothing you can do on your own, but God has made a way of justification being declared righteous, innocent. And it's apart from any works of the law, doing any good stuff. It's simply by faith, by trusting Jesus. That's what the text has said here very plainly, has it not? Are you trusting Him? Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? I'm in verse 27. No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We are justified by faith, not by works. There's no room for boasting, no room for pride because we're not saved by anything that we are, anything we can do, only by receiving the gift God offers and has provided through Jesus, we receive it by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Again, what we've just said. There is one little phrase, though, that I want to call attention to because there's a tendency among some folks to ask the question, well, is, is faith then a work? Is it something we do if we say it's not by works, but isn't faith, isn't believing in God, isn't that a work we do? Well, look at what he says here. He says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. The grace is not of ourselves, it's, a great, it's given by God. The being saved is not of ourselves, because we can't save ourselves, it's a gift of God. And he even says, the faith, he says, is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You and I don't even have the ability to have the faith. God gives that to us. That's the grace of God. Undeserving, hopeless people. And He gives us that grace. He even gives us the faith to believe. There is one passage, and as I wrap up, I do need to cover this because... There's one passage in the Bible that is often brought up to dispute everything that we have just said so far this morning. To say, no, 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 no. Faith 
is good. God's grace is good and faith is good, but you got to add works to it. God starts the process, you got to finish it. And we've everything we've just read says that's not the case. But they will say, "Uh uh uh uh. Let's go to the Bible." And I would do you a disservice as your pastor if I didn't say we ought to look at that and we ought to know what does it say. Turn with me or you can if you'd like, turn with me over to the book of James, James chapter 2. We won't have time to go through the whole passage, but I want to call you attention. Go to James chapter 2 because here's what it says. James chapter 2 verse 17. It says this. It says, so faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. And what we've just read is we are saved by faith, not by works. This was said in Romans clearly time after time as we read in Galatians, and we see it also in Ephesians 2. Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Down in verse 24, it says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Man, Pastor, you're in big trouble. You've been telling us stuff here all this morning. The text, the Bible itself says you're wrong. Well, I want you all to chew on that. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> now, that wouldn't be fair. Pastor, how do we answer this? Well, first of all, I'm not that smart. I'm so thankful for so many other folks that are. (laughs) But it helps if you simply study the passage well. Always look and, and take it in context and read the whole thing. We don't have time to do it this morning. But this sounds like a direct contradiction, but let me say I don't think it is. And two little things I'll point out will help you get the context and then I think the rest will fall into place. The first is this. This little section begins back up in verse 14 with a question. The question is this. The question is, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, or I love the way the NIV translates it, claims he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So you've got somebody who says, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I trust Him as my Savior. But he lives like a pagan. Can that faith save him? That's the question. And the question is, is there there a difference between professing faith, claiming something, and possessing it? Really having it. Because real faith, we've already read in all the other passages, real faith is what saves us. Is there a difference between professing and possessing? And the answer in the text is yes. That kind of faith, where it's all just lip service, is dead. He goes on and says, you know, it's like the person who says, yep, that's a chair. And they walk all around it and they say it's a chair, but they refuse to sit in it. Even though they're tired. They profess it, but they don't sit in it. He goes on and kind of gives a description of it in verse 19. He says, and he addresses this person who claims this faith but doesn't live it. He says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. In other words, he says that this person may claim faith, but he's like the demons who know and believe the truth. 
They believe the facts about God and Jesus, but they do not respond rightly to truth. He says that's what this person is like, who claims it but doesn't live it. They, they're like the demons. Real faith isn't just agreeing to the facts. Real faith is sitting in the chair. Let me move on. The second thing that we need to note is that Paul here, that there's a difference, I should say, between being justified before God and being justified before men. In Romans, where we were all morning, we saw being justified in the sight of God. If you read that, that phrase is in there a couple of times. Being justified in the sight of God. And Paul, to give an illustration, he takes us back to Genesis chapter 15 and Abraham. We read about that. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God said he's justified, he's right. Interesting, over here James says we're not justified by faith, we're justified by faith and works. And interesting, if you read the whole passage, he goes back and uses guess who as an example. Abraham. But you read carefully, and what you notice is he uses a different illustration with Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. James over here goes back to Genesis chapter 22. 25 years or more later than Genesis 15. God declares Abraham righteous on the basis of faith. Over here, Abraham is offering his son Isaac on the altar. You remember that story. We don't have time to tell it. Big thing. It's a big test of faith. He obeys God. Genesis doesn't say there he was justified because it happened 25 years earlier. James says by this action he's justified. But in whose sight? Not in God's because that already happened. It's in ours. It, and James puts it this way, if you read again the thing. He says, by this, the statement back in Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He quotes that. He said, but that is given, he says it is fulfilled. We think of fulfilled in terms of prophecy, but it really just literally means this. It's given fuller meaning. Over here, God says Abraham is justified. Over here, Abraham is put to the test. And James says, we look at him and we see, is Abraham really a guy who believes God? Well, Abraham is put to the test, the ultimate test, and he does it. And we go, oh, he really does believe God. See, he's vindicated is another way to use that word justified. He's vindicated in our eyes. He really is a man of faith. What James is saying is, is that people who have real faith, ultimately real faith shows up in real life. And their faith is vindicated in the eyes of everybody here. And they go, they really are a follower of Jesus because they live what they say they believe. Real faith shows up in real life. That's the point of James. It's not a contradiction. But you've got to admit, when you first read it, you go, ooh, that's really big, isn't it? Enough on all that. Uh, let me say this. So James is not contradicting the book of Romans and somehow saying that it's faith plus works that results in salvation. It's not it. 
what the Scripture is very clear, what we've been saying all morning. Faith is what saves us. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves us. And real, it, when we are saved, it results in works. The works don't save us. They're just a natural result. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it starts showing up in the way you live. The difference between Christianity and, re, and other religions, someone wrote, once wrote, it comes down to a difference of two letters. Religion is spelled with the letters D-O. It's do. Religion is a list of things that you've got to do and that people think they have to do if they're somehow going to make God happy enough where God's going to say, okay, I'll let you into heaven. That's religion. And the Bible, as we've seen this morning, says that that doesn't cut it. What Christianity says, it comes along and it's spelled with four letters. D-O-N-E. It's done. Christianity isn't about doing so we can get to heaven. Christianity is about believing, trusting in Jesus and what He has done already. He's paid the way. Again, if you're here this morning and never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, God calls you to receive the gift. Trust Him. Many of you may be here. You've believed in Jesus. You've trusted in Him. But you find yourself slipping out of thinking faith. By the way, in, in Romans 1.17 at the beginning, it says it describes our, our, the Christian life as being from faith to faith. Faith, excuse me, from beginning to end, from first to last. It's not just that we're saved by faith, it's we live our life through faith in Christ. And it is easy sometimes for us to suddenly try to move into a works mentality. I've got to, I've got to do a bunch of stuff to make God happy so that He won't be mad at me. And live on a treadmill of trying to somehow earn what Jesus has already provided. Just understand, if that's where you are today, understand if you've trusted in Christ, you're, it's covered. It's time to relax. See, what, what Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's a lot like parents, us with our kids. Our kids don't have to do a bunch of stuff to earn our love earn our favor yes we want them to behave yes we want them to live right but not so that that we will love them we love them period that's what justification puts us right with god period we want to live right because we love him and he loves us and that's why the christian life does change we are different in the way we live but it's not about trying to earn trying to work about resting in Christ. Does that make sense? I have a feeling some, some of you here this morning maybe have been on that treadmill and understand that Romans is calling you to get off and rest in Christ. Let's end. We've got, we've got to finish. Father, thank You for Your Word. Hits us where we live. We live in a... Some folks here may not have ever heard this good news of the Gospel. There's grace and salvation in Jesus simply by trusting in Him. Some folks here may have been, they, they've trusted in Christ, but they find themselves slipping into this trap of trying to, to, uh, trying to earn stuff. That was the problem with a lot of the folks in Galatia. 
And Father, we all live in a world full of people. The majority of them think that the only way to be saved is be good. How they need to hear the Gospel of Jesus. So Lord, there's stuff here for all of us to do. May we be faithful to share this good news with a lost world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.